the unexpected banquet. There were no calendars in the kingdom of Sunday Monday, because printing hadn't been invented. So a man used to go round with a different coloured ribbon tied around his arm according to what day it was. He had a red ribbon for Mondays, a green one for Tuesdays, a blue one for Wednesdays, and so on. And everybody had only to look at his ribbon to know at once whether it was early closing day, or half holiday, or bath night, or the day for cleaning out the spare room. And, of course, the man with the ribbon was a most important and valuable official. In fact, he was really one of the weather clerk's assistants who had been lent to the king for that purpose. There's an awful lot of illness about just now, my dear, said the king to the queen. We ought to send the man who wears the day ribbons down to be vaccinated. It would be awful if we caught anything. Nobody would know where they were, or whether they had passed it, or if it was much too late, or even much too early, or if it wasn't anything at all. Yes, yes, said the Queen, hoping the King wasn't going on talking muddly sort of things like that, because it made her forget where she was with her lace piano cover she was making. So, the day's man was sent along to the court physician and vaccinated that very day. But, oh dear, the silly, not-thinking sort of man, whatever must he go and do but tie a red ribbon round his vaccinated arm so people shouldn't bump into him and hurt him. Yes, a red ribbon meant Monday, and this was Wednesday. There. Everything the king had said might happen if he was ill looked like it was happening because he wasn't. Monday already, said everybody, scratching their heads or their noses or their chins, according to the sort of people they were. This has been a most short week. Which, of course, it was. But there was the day's man strutting about with a red Monday ribbon on his arm. So Monday it had to be, and no use arguing. All the shopkeepers, who'd thought it was Wednesday and shut their shops early, had to open them again. And all the school children who'd got ready to stay at home for a half holiday had to go to school again. And extra bath nights were got ready for, and spare rooms were cleaned out again, though they didn't need it. But none of that would really have mattered so frightfully much if it hadn't been for the fact that the king and queen were giving a most magnificent banquet to all the important people in the kingdom on the Monday that was still to come, but which everyone thought was already here. So, of course, all those important people put on their most important clothes and hung their most important jewels around their important necks and all got delivered in coaches and things at the royal palace. Agnes, Agnes, come here, cried the king, when he caught sight of them through the throne room window. People are arriving for the banquet. Is it Monday? Can't be Monday was the other day. What shall we do? What's this? What's this? cried the queen, rushing in with her nose only half powdered and with ten maids following her down the stairs trying to do up her dress as she ran but not managing to do it. Banquet tonight? Impossible. What day is it? She threw a glance out of the window looking for the day's man, but he wasn't there. The glance came right around the garden and came back at her without doing any good. Quick! she cried, grasping the situation with her womanly intuition and her queenly brain and her royal readiness all at once. Go and tell them funny stories, my dear, while I get something started. And she 
dashed off to the kitchen, with the maid still following, but not bothering about trying to do up her dress anymore, as she was pulling it off in order to put on a nice big apron. Cook! she cried. Guests have arrived for the banquet. It's Monday and nobody told me. Oh, heavens, mum, I mean majesty, said the cook, going all pale and shutting the book she was reading without marking the place. There's nothing in the house. I should say palace, mum. Oh, I mean your majesty. Nothing except a tin of sardines or so. Bring out your sardines, said the queen, flourishing a rolling pin. There's got to be a banquet tonight by hook or by crook or by anything else you like. Some sort of banquet, any sort of banquet, but a banquet. She lit the gas over which went bang right in her face, dropped the rolling pin on the cook's toe, turned on the water taps and grabbed the biggest bowl. Bring out anything edible and anything that looks like it might be edible, she commanded, tying a yellow duster around her hair. The maids, who weren't kitchen maids at all, but dressing boudoir bedroom sort of maids, had to tie tea cloths around their middles and get things out and put them away again and rush around helping, though they didn't help much because they weren't used to making banquets but only beds. While all this was going on, the king had gone to greet the noble and notable visitors and was trying to keep them amused with funny stories until the queen could let him know the banquet was ready by ringing a bell. I wonder, said the king in his best storytelling manner, if you know the story of the man who, um, that is to say, the lady from, uh, or rather, I should say, the way in which... But nobody knew that one, and as the king couldn't remember it either, they didn't hear it. Then the king talked a lot, and was just going to have a shot at singing a song when the bell rang. Oh, thank goodness, breathed the king inside his beard. The banquet's ready. But it wasn't. The bell was a muffin man's, but the king didn't discover it till too late, and everyone was sitting around the table waiting for something to happen. So he had to have another shot at a story, and this time he nearly finished it, when he remembered he'd forgotten the last bit where it makes you laugh. But it didn't matter, for just then, bring went to Belle, and in came the Queen. We've made a sort of banquet out of the most unlikely kind of scraps, whispered the Queen to the King as she sat down. Goodness knows what everyone will think, but let's hope they won't. Whatever you do, don't eat a crumb, or there won't be enough to go around. Then, in came the servants, carrying the first course. Everyone got something different. One duke got a sardine and a half on a biscuit and a half, and started doing sums to see how much he'd have to have if he'd had twice as much as half of what was missing. A duchess got one pickle, one top half slice of a cottage loaf, and three assorted peanuts. The Prime Minister received a lettuce leaf wrapped daintily around a piece of orange with a dab of mustard on it, and the Lord Chief Justice had the pink icing off an almond finger laid carefully on top of a stewed plum. One of the Marchionesses was given ten little dog biscuits by mistake, through one of the maids having taken the Queen's dog's breakfast, which he hadn't eaten, thinking it was part of the banquet. And the Lord Chancellor was given a very generous portion of a damp tea cloth that the cook had left on a plate, and which oughtn't have been brought in at all. Charming weather, don't you think? And so much of it, said the king, clattering his knife and fork about ever so much on an empty plate, because he hadn't been given anything to eat. 
You must let me give you the pattern of a simply too sweet jumper, my dear, said the Queen to the most important Duchess, who was doing her best with a Brazil nut and half a cold sausage, and trying to look as if she liked them. Then the servants came and cleared away the plates for the next course. All the guests had left something on their plates, just for manners, and several of them had left everything, either because they didn't like it, or because they couldn't eat it, or because they were so astonished at having such unlikely food served at a royal banquet, they hadn't had time to start before the plates were taken away again. Whatever are you going to do for the next course? whispered the king. Oh, shush, said the queen. You just wait. Presently, in came the next course, and what do you think it was? Why, the servants had taken all the leftover bits from the first course and mixed them up and served them out again and brought them in for the second course. Everyone got something different from what they got before, only not quite so much, except the Lord Chancellor who got the damp tea cloth again. Then, the king who'd just been served with another plate full of nothing, stood up and said, My lords, ladies and gentlemen, let us drink to the kingdom of Sunday Monday. So, of course, everyone had to stand up and drink the toast. And immediately they stood up, the servants whisked round ever so quickly and took all the plates away again with hardly anything eaten. This is more like a game of cards than a banquet, said the cook, splitting a bean left by the Marquis into three and giving one piece each to a duchess, a baronet and a bishop. Then in came the third course, made of what had been left over from the second one, mixed up and dealt out differently again. And once more, everyone got something slightly different and less of it than before. The Lord Chancellor, he got the damp tea cloth again. Then up popped the Queen to propose the health of the guests, and as soon as everyone sat down after drinking that, the King jumped up and said, Here's to absent friends, meaning those who hadn't been invited. So the servants were able to clear the plates again and get away with nearly everything they brought in. And all through the fourth, fifth and sixth courses that unreasonable sort of bewildering banquet went on. Each time the cook mixed up what was left and shuffled it round again. Each time everyone got a little bit less until some of them were being given half a split pea or one end of a lentil. All the time the king and queen kept popping up and proposing the most extreme sorts of toasts like Here's to the Royal Fire Brigade, and let us drink to the Royal Baker, which sounded the most awful sort of nonsense, but was the best they could think of on the spur of the moment. Anyway, it made the guests keep popping up and gave the servants a chance to snatch their plates away with bits of food still on them, so as to make the banquet go on another course or so. But everyone was getting most alarmingly hungry. The king and queen had been served with seven empty plates and had nothing on the right, none of which was very satisfying. Still, they were too anxious to feel that they were hungry. But the guests, who either didn't like what they'd got, or weren't given enough time to eat it if they did, felt positively hollow inside themselves. Next time I go to a royal banquet, I'm going to have to take sandwiches with me, whispered a duke, who had just managed to swallow half an inch of macaroni before his plate was whisked away. Me too, said a marchioness, forgetting to speak properly because she was so hungry. <laughs> said the Lord Chancellor, who'd had the damp tea cloth every single time and at last had got so hungry he'd cut a piece off with his pocket knife and scissors and was trying so desperately to eat it, but finding it rather a job. 
things were getting awful. The king and queen couldn't think of any more toasts to propose, and several guests had actually managed to eat something. Then the butler sidled up to the queen and whispered, There isn't any more food left, your majesty, except half a teaspoon of cold gravy and three herico beans, one with a piece missing, and they're not going to go around. Oh, thought the queen, but she was far too regal to say it. Whatever can we do, a royal banquet has to last at least fourteen courses, and we've only had nine. Oh, I'm adding another toast, quick, whispered the king. But they couldn't think of one, and some of the less noble guests were beginning to tap slightly on the table with their fingertips. If they didn't get something to eat soon, they might start banging their spoons and forks about, and that would be awful at a royal banquet. Then, all of a sudden, there was a commotion at the doors, and in rushed the day's man with a blue Wednesday ribbon around his arm, holding up the real Monday one. Oh, your majesties, he cried. Oh, forgive me, oh dear, oh dear. He told them all about how he tied the red ribbon around his vaccinated arm and everything. Then it is Wednesday, said the Queen. I thought it was because my little doggy never likes to have breakfast on Wednesdays and they didn't have any this morning. Hmm, thought the Marchioness, who'd been given the ten little dog biscuits for the first course. But she was too polite to say anything, and even if she hadn't been, she wouldn't have had the chance to say it, because the King jumped up and everyone grabbed their glasses and stood up too, thinking it was going to be another toast, but it wasn't. My lords, ladies and gentlemen, said his majesty. Well, most awfully sorry about this funny sort of banquet, but you'll see there's been a mistake. It isn't Monday, it was only Wednesday, and we weren't ready for the banquet. He told them how it had happened, and everyone stood up and cheered, partly because they thought the king and queen should be congratulated for trying so hard to give them a banquet, although it was the wrong day and partly because the king said there would be a proper banquet on Monday as arranged. And now, I think someone had better invent printing, said the king. Then we can have calendars. So someone did, and they had them. So that that sort of confusion isn't likely to happen any more.